Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This is EM Clerkship's secret residency curriculum, advanced content designed to test graduates of EM Clerkship, and today is round number six of the game. I'm still ahead overall, three to two, but we'll see how it goes after today. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format, 15 minutes to complete the full case. I'm actually not going to let it accidentally run over this time like I did last time, Mike. I have an obnoxious alarm that I'm setting right now, and I'm going to set it for 14 minutes, so you'll have an extra minute to wrap up once it goes off. Sound good? Sweet. Awesome. I love it. Mike does not know what this case is ahead of time. If Mike hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. If he doesn't or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not actual ABEM cases that I've had. They're certainly not real patients. So let's get going here. You ready, Mike? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it. Let me know when you're ready. I pre-drew it, so I am ready. All right, perfect. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You'll have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? Nope. All right. Before we begin, take a look at your computer screen. They're going to have you confirm the candidate identification and click agree. All right. All right. I'm starting the timer for 14 minutes now. Boom. Dr. Estefan, you're working at ABEM General, and the nurse is handing you a chart and goes, Jolene is back. Jolene. Okay. Jolene, Jolene. Jolene, Jolene. Okay. What's she coming in with? Uh, Back pain, as always. Okay. Does she come in often? When was the last time she was here? I want to say she was here like two days ago. We We know her well. We know her well. She comes in all the time. She was here like two days ago, and she was here like a week ago. Okay. You, you haven't I met her before? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, you're going to have a blast. Great. All right. Um, I walk into the room. What do I see? So basically you see a middle-aged female. Let me double check. She's 45 years old and um, she's just kind of disheveled. She's got, you know, she looks almost like maybe she's homeless or something. She's got muddy boots. She's got jeans, a sweatshirt. She smells kind of like she's been drinking alcohol. No teeth. Just kind of rough. Okay. Um, do we have an opening set of vitals? Sure. Heart rate, 99. Respiratory rate, 18. Blood pressure, 118 over 78. O2 saturation, 99%. And do we have a temperature? 99.0. 99.0. Great. Okay. Uh, Jolene, my name is Dr. Estefan. What is bringing you to the emergency department today? Oh, it's my back. It's horrible. It's horrible, doctor. Get me something, please. Please. Okay. Uh, when did this pack back pain start? I, I don't even know. Like like a week ago, I guess. Okay. Where Where is the pain? It's all over. Where does it hurt the worst? Could you point with one finger? Yeah, it's like, and she, uh, you know, she's kind of pointing to her lower back. Okay. All right. Have Have you had any recent trauma or recent falls or been in a car accident or anything like that? No, get me something for the plane, please. We can talk. Just get me something. Okay. I, I promise I'll get you something for the pain, but I need to figure out what's going on first, okay? Jeez, oh, Can we okay. talk for a little bit? Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Um, so no trauma. Have you done any heavy lifting lately? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear. Is anything else hurting you? My my back. Okay. Do you have any leg pain? Yeah, it kind of goes down my right leg a little bit. Okay. What's the pain feel like? Horrible. It feels it like feel, pain. It feels like does pain. Does it feel like Electricity shooting down your leg? Yes, it feels like it's just horrible. <laughs> okay. Pain. All right. Hang in there. A couple more questions, okay? 
Are you are you having any numbness or tingling anywhere? No. Do you feel weak anywhere? No. It's just it just hurts. It just hurts so much. I just I can't even get up. It just hurts. Okay. Have you had any fevers lately? No. Any chills or night sweats? Yes, I don't know. I just feel horrible. Doc, just give me something for the pain. Yes. No, just uh it's, it's okay. horrible. Do, do you have any medical problems? Uh yeah. Like what? Uh I have degenerative disc disease. I have a history of sciatica and I'm diabetes. Okay. Do you use insulin for your diabetes? Uh, no. Okay. I don't really have a doctor. Um, Yo, come on. My bad. My bad, Jolene. They all treat me like drug addicts. Okay. Do you think I'm a drug addict? So that was my next question. Do you do you use IV drugs at all? I've used everything, Doc. I like to have a good time. Okay. All right. When was the last time you used? Uh, I don't know. Like a couple weeks ago, my my back has just been killing me. I'm just kind of I don't know. Okay. And the last time you came in, what did we do for you? Nothing. You didn't do anything. Everyone just thinks I'm a drug addict. Do you think I'm a drug addict? No, I don't think that. The last doctor didn't even get an x-ray. Can we at least get an x-ray? Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I have to examine you first, okay? And then we'll figure out what we're going to do. All right. Hopefully pain medicine. Can I have the nurse get a point of care at glucose while I'm... 170. Talking to her. 170? Great. Okay. Um, let's see. And you don't feel weak anywhere? No, I just hurt everywhere. Okay. All right. Um, I am going to... Uh, any allergies to medications? Yes. What are you allergic to? What are you going to give me for the pain? <laughs> I, it depends. <laughs> what are you allergic to? Everything. Everything? Everything. So I can't give you anything for the pain then? Um, the last... I've had Dilaudid before. And you're allergic to Dilaudid? No, I can I can definitely have Dilaudid. Okay. Well, I don't think... You know, I, I'll be upfront with you. I don't think I'm going to be giving you Dilaudid in the emergency department. Then I'm today. just going to go. If you're going to call me a drug addict, then I'm just going to go. I'm not calling you a drug addict. I'm just saying that I don't think we're going to be giving you Dilaudid today. I'm happy to treat your pain with other medications, but... I'm a, what, what, like, what other medications? So, we can give you some Tylenol, some... I'm allergic. What happens when you take Tylenol? My throat swells. Okay. What about Dilaudid? Uh, Dilaudid, definitely, I, it's great. It controls my symptoms well. Okay. All right. Um, can I have the nurse grab a lidocaine patch and put it on? Actually, no, let me examine okay. her. Um, okay. Uh, so I look at the patient. Does anything look grossly abnormal? Um, no. Okay. I'm going to remove all the patient's clothing. Removed. Does anything look grossly abnormal? No, she appears to be in pain. Okay. Um, I roll her over. How's her back look? Normal. Okay. Is there any tenderness to palpation of any of the spinous processes? Uh, kind of just her whole back, her whole lower back specifically. Just her whole lower yeah. back is tender. Yeah. She fl- like midline. Yeah, she and just to flinches everywhere you push. Okay. How's her strength in her extremities? Normal. What are you looking for specifically? Uh. Flexion, extension at all joints. Normal. Okay. How are her reflexes? Uh, Two plus patellar and Achilles reflexes. Okay. How are, how's her sensation to pinprick and dull touch? Normal. Um, And then rudimentary uh, breath sounds. Normal. Okay. 
Um, cranial nerve exam. Normal. Straight leg test. Uh, normal. Maybe some pain with the... She just has a lot of pain when you try to do it. Okay. Is she able to ambulate for me? Uh, she can't walk. She's, Why can't she? She, she says it hurts too vomiting. much. She won't even try. She just says, I can't even walk. It's just like it's so much pain. Okay. Um, how's her grip strength? Normal. Ankle, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. Normal neuro exam. Okay. I guess we can start by giving her some Toradol. Allergic. What happens when you get throat toradol? swelling? Okay. We can stick a lidocaine patch on her. It's not going to help. Can we try it? Fine. Okay. Only if you promise so to give me Dilaudid later, maybe. Just give it. Just give uh, it. That's fine. I, That's fine. I got to go in about four minutes anyways. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to give her Dilaudid. All right. So no Dilaudid then. No Dilaudid. Just figure out what's yeah. going on. Just fix me. Um, you know, you said you've – how many times have you been to the emergency room with this back pain? Uh, this all started like a week ago. This is the third. Third time? Mm-hmm. Keeps getting worse um, and worse and worse. You know, just because of your history and your symptoms – you know, I, I think I want to rule out something dangerous. How long will it take me to get an MRI of her spine? Uh, definitely less than three minutes. All right, sweet. Let's let's do an MRI of her C, T, and L spine. The nurse is coming up to you. Are you kidding? An MRI? She's here. This is like her third time here. She just wants to lot yeah, it. Just send but, her home. You know, she has a history of diabetes, IV drug use, this back pain only started a week ago. She has a low-grade temp. She's borderline tacky um, with an elevated blood glucose. She has some radiculopathy symptoms. No one's really worked her up, it sounds like, for uh, like an epidural abscess. Oh so I think I'm going to be the one to do that. You're killing us, Doc. Do you want any blood? Um, yeah, let's, let's get a CBC, BMP. Uh, honestly, I... I we could throw in like a ESR CRP. Do you want to wait on those to come back, or just go straight to MRI? We go straight to MRI. Right. What kind of MRI do you want? Uh, ooh, with and without contrast of CT and L spine. CT and L. Okay. All right. Yeah. Done. She's going back now. Um, anything else you want right now? She'll be out in thirty seconds. Uh, it's quick. New, next <laughs> I gen. would like. I would. Um, I would like to talk to the radiologist and have him do a once over of the scan. All right. Well, the radiologist is doing a once over of the scan. What would you like? What's your question? I'm looking for an epidural abscess or spinal cord compression. Does she have signs of either? Yes. Of which uh, she has. Uh, Two kind of areas of epidural abscess, a little bit of core compression on the lumbar spine, just early, not like, you know, completely compressed or anything, just a little bit of narrowing of the fecal sac. And then there's another spot Great. higher up on her high I'm, thoracic spine. Great. I'm calling neurosurgery right, right now. Neurosurgery is um, we'll, on we'll the start, phone. What were you going well, uh, Before I call neurosurgery, let's draw blood cultures. I'll start our on Vank and Zosin. Um, Hi, neurosurgery. Hey, this is Dr. Doctor Spine. Dr. Spine, hey, I got a 45-year-old female who's been here a couple times with back pain. She's sounds like she's homeless. Uh, she reeked of alcohol when she came in. Um, the back pain's been going on for a week. It radiates down. It sounds like her right side, her right leg. Um, just given her history of diabetes, IV drug use, she's been here multiple times. She had a low-grade temp, and she was borderline tacky. I decided to get an MRI. She has two epidural abscesses. It sounds like one in the low thoracic spine. One, I think it was in the lumbar spine. I don't really remember, but um, I'm studying her on antibiotics. Would you like me to give her steroids or anything else before you come see her? Um, no, I wouldn't do any steroids. I'll just um, – let's see here. <clears throat> 
I'm, I'm her in neuro cl- exam was completely normal. Okay, good. I guess I'll see her tomorrow after I get out of clinic. No, you need to come see her now. I'm very concerned about her. Ooh, that's your first of all. That's your timer. If I can figure out how to stop it. Okay. Um, excuse me, sir. Yeah, I need to do what now? Uh, resident Estefan. Yeah. So I'm very concerned about this patient, and uh, an epidural abscess is an emergency. There's signs and symptoms of cord compression, and you need to see this patient right now. <sighs> Fine. I'll come in. Great. Thank you. Yep. Bye, Estefan. I will remember you. Is there any family to consult? Nope. Great. So my time's up? Um, no, that was your 14 minutes. You got a couple seconds. Anything else you want to wrap up? Uh, Doc, my back. Oh. Get me some of that Dilladad. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you get some Dilladad. Give her 0.5. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Took long enough. I'm going to complain anyways. All right. That's okay. What's going on? I trust <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, So you have an infection uh, around your spine. We're having the, the spine surgeons come in to evaluate you. We're going to start you on antibiotics, and we'll treat your pain. Okay? All right. Sounds good. I, I guess right. I will move on up to my bed upstairs. Yes, you are being admitted for Shorzy's. All right. Thank you. That ends your case. Yay. Strong work, Dr. Estefan. All right, tell me, what was the final diagnosis, in case everyone missed it? <laughs> Epidural abscess. Correct. All right. Um, how do you think it went? Um, I, so, <laughs> I, I think it went well. Um, I, I think you presented a very classic presentation, like, you know, the homeless IV drug user who comes in with back pain just to get lauded. But really, they have that underlying badness that you got to find. Um, so it was on my mind from the beginning, and I was just waiting for something to give me a clue to go down that direction. Um, and I think what did it for me was the fact that it started a week ago. Well, first of all, given her history, she's diabetes, IV drug use. Those are the two big risk factors. It started a week ago. This hasn't been like a year-long thing of her coming in. It was a week um, she has radiculopathy symptoms, and she had, like, a low-grade temp, and she was borderline tacky, so, yeah. All right, good job. If she wasn't an IV drug user, do you think you would have gotten it still? That That is a good question. Um, actually, I, I, think, I think I would because um, I wouldn't have that internal battle of her being pain-seeking, but still being high risk with the diabetes who doesn't take it's uncontrolled diabetes essentially. Very good. Dude, I'm impressed. All right. What um so yeah, you what were all the red flags? Let's just run through some of the red flags in this case. I really tried to riddle them through. Oh man. And not um, even like classic red so flags. What were the things that really made you concerned? Um so she was borderline tacky, right? Vitals. She had a yeah, vital signs. Um Uncontrolled diabetes, her point of care was 170. She had radiculopathy symptoms. Um, there was no trauma, nothing that like would essentially explain this pain. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some. Well, and you had said the fact that this was their third visit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, she's been here multiple times, like bounce backs, basically. Yeah. Very good, man. Dude, I'm impressed. I almost can't even critique anything. Can I just go through all the things you did well, starting from the top? Yeah, let's do all it. All right. You, I can tell. I mean, you are fine-tuning things. So you go into the room. What do I see? What do I hear? You're not distracted by kind of the classic. And first of all, on ABAM, like, you're not going to be, like, removing any patients by security for, you know, being like, that's not right. <laughs> if you're doing that, you're <laughs> swinging a miss, dude. You're missing something. Um, maybe in real life, but not on not on the boards. Um, so you, you know, I hid the temp. You got the temp. Good. I hid the glucose. You asked for a finger stick blood glucose. Good. You asked allergies. <laughs> and, you know, is she really allergic to all these things? Like, no, of course not. But, um, you know, that, this is how it goes. You at least asked them and you did, you know, you didn't just like do something like, oh, I'll just give it to you anyways or something, which you don't want to do on the boards, just, you know, whatever. 
Um, so let's see. Let's keep going here, though. So you, you know, I probably could have, you know, I'm, I'm actually confident that if I had left the IV drug use out of it, you still would have gotten it. Um, I was, I was pretty comfortable. There's a few things like other red flags. If you had expanded out on your history a little bit, um, which was difficult to do because the patient was kind of being difficult, um, naturally. So, you know, this is called, what is the term like pseudo drug seeking behavior or something, you know, Uh but, um, you would have maybe found out that she had had like a recent urinary tract infection. Um, you didn't, did you ask about like incontinence or saddle? Paresthesias or no, anything? No, I. Well, I I asked for sensation basically, but yeah, not specifically. No. Yeah, you probably could have been a little more specific there. A few more things on history, maybe. She was also an alcoholic. You didn't really ask her about that. She drinks a half bottle of vodka every day. That also increases your I risk. F- figured. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought you did good though. So um, let me run through all of the the critical actions because you have successfully. I think this is the best you've ever done. Um, sweet. So my critical actions were ask about back pain, red flags and red flags specifically for spinal infection, which you did. You identified multiple, um, the diabetes, the recurrent, you know, presentations to the emergency department with progressive pain, the lack of trauma. Um, you missed the recent infections, you missed alcohol, but you got the IV drug use. Um, so I thought you did a good job with that. Definitely hit that critical action. You did an appropriate spinal exam. This is something that, um, in real life is important too. You know, you, you documented, and we'll talk a little bit about this on the end, but you documented like a good, like you, you palpated everywhere. You did your full neuro exam. Very impro- uh, very good. Um, you did an MRI spine with and without contrast of the CT and L spines. That's good. A lot of people, I think, would have missed that. That's actually the appropriate, generally speaking, probably a very reasonable, let's put it like that, um, approach to your imaging. You initiated broad-spectrum antibiotics, and you treated the pain when the pathology was identified. So I thought you did great. I thought you did really, really good. So does this mean we're tied up? What's that? Does this mean we're tied up? This means we're tied up. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, real general, have you ever seen a case? Uh, I have not, although I had a very similar sounding case. Um, the diagnosis ended up being arachnoiditis once we got the MRI, but um, very similar kind of presentation and we are obviously concerned about an epidural abscess but it ended up being arachnoiditis very good um so i think that this is a really important topic because you hear so in residency and in med school i feel like i learned all the red flags for different spinal cord type things right so you're thinking like oh you know is this person a triple a do they have cauda equina do they have trauma Mm -hmm. all these sort of classic um you know i don't think you asked about like blood thinners but there's a classic red flags right Mm -hmm. i feel like when i was in residency and um med school i didn't this i didn't really have like any way to gauge like which of these is like the most common i guess it all just kind of ran together and it asked all the red flags but i i honestly feel that like the epidural abscess is the one that if you can make, I, I don't think you can do it. I'll make you do it right now. If you make it through your entire career and you never miss one of these, I will buy you as many drinks as you can handle, you know, as a congratulatory. I think this is just like a lurking thing out there that is incredibly common. This is the, this is the diagnosis of all the red flag diagnoses that are out there with back pain. The one, mm-hmm. it's not catequina, it's not the AAA, it's not the dissection. I feel like it's, it's really paying attention for that epidural abscess and that's subjective. I don't, you know, I don't have data that says like the frequency of each of these, but it's out there and it's increasing in frequency. Um, another big red flag is like all these spinal surgeries that people have the uncontrolled diabetes. There's just, it's just out there. I've seen multiple cases so far as an attending of this, um, that it's out there and you're only, and I just finished my, now, yeah, right? I, I'm done. This was in my first year as an attending multiple cases. Now, um, there's like this saying that says, cause I can say that I've, I've had one of these that I did not get on the first, the first pass. Okay. So I was doctor number one, not visit number three, like you were today, but this is really hard because epidural abscesses will start as just pain, kind of like a 
a traumatic back pain or a back pain that patient attributes even to something like, oh, I think I slept on it wrong, you know, or something like mm-hmm. that. And then it just kind of keeps progressing. And that's when you start getting some of the more systemic symptoms. And then you start to see some of the leg weakness type stuff. So you'll start to get maybe a little bit of radicular pain and just slowly progressives. It starts to kind of then look like sciatica. So it'll be misdiagnosed as that. So there's like this saying that says the standard of care is to miss it the first time. Um, which is, is kind of true, to be honest. I, I think it really depends on how many red flags you have. It's obviously not like, oh, it's your first time coming in with this, so we don't have to do anything. I think if someone is an IV drug user, diabetic, alcoholic, <laughs> right, and it's their first time, then it's a little bit easier to catch maybe. Um, sure, sure. But I don't want to be like too like strict here too. Like This is an incredibly difficult diagnosis to make, and, and again, the, the – the saying is that the standard of care is to miss it. Um, but it, when these patients start coming in, you know, visit two or three, that's when you're going to start seeing them triaged a little bit lower. The nurse is starting to kind of like say like, oh, they're back again type stuff. And that's actually a kind of a red flag of, you know, it's one thing if they're in every day and it's been years of them doing this and they've had an MRI before. That's different than someone who is a uh, socioeconomically a very difficult patient who is having some kind of drug seeking behaviors at least who it's you know it's been three times and they've never had an mri before that's a different picture um like a whole different beast yeah it's very reasonable you don't have to judge so the teaching is you just go straight to an mri and that's true kind of maybe the mri is your kind of standard test but i think it's very reasonable based off of my listening to like risk management monthly and doing a lot of studying on this, there's a lot of people that are diabetic with back pain and you can't MRI all of them, you know, like that would be crazy. I think you have to use some common sense here. And I do think that people are reasonably using like a said rate and a CRP to risk stratify if you're kind of low risk, but you can't, you know, maybe say for sure. And the patient's a little unreasonable. So maybe they're, they have a history of IV drug use, but they really did, you know, like maybe it's just a little, Sometimes you can risk stratify. If you really think that they probably don't have it, but you can't say for sure, I think it's reasonable to get a set rate in CRP. And if those are normal, I think my impression is that those are very sensitive. Although I think it's maybe a little question, but I, I see a lot of people do that. I think it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, with all, you know, this is a good case to test you on pushing back against the, the consultant. Um, in the real world, I've every single one of these I've had, I've had pushback from consultants. And as you kind of train, you'll get better at um, navigating that, I guess. Um, Getting some thicker skin. Well, it's, it's kind of thicker skin, but there's also, you know, you want to work with people. So there's a little bit of like give and take. But when, I mean, in this patient who's clearly having like, you know, pending cord compression and multiple abscesses. And I think it's very reasonable to kind of try to get them to come in and see the patient themselves. But, um, it's not always as simple as like, Oh, I, this, cause there's a lot of epidural abscess patients who are actually, um, you know, not surgery candidates. Right. And that it is appropriate to mm-hmm. treat them with antibiotics. Um, if you kind of, I've read all about this, you know, <laughs> and so it's, you have to kind of respect their, their, experience and expertise as well as your consultant. But I do think you need thick skin and to really push, um, saying at least, can you see them now? And if you still think that way, okay. Or, um, sometimes I've had people push back on starting empiric antibiotics and they'll say they want to get cultures from the, you know, from the OR. Um, huh. I've heard that a few times and I think that that's, you know, I'm so hesitant to say things for sure. Cause I'm like, Sure enough, in my career, I'll probably get sued for one of these then, you know, because they're like impossible to catch. And then they're going to like play this back and they're going to be like, you said, you know, every time I'll be like, oh, God, you know, take take all my money. Um, Yeah. No, I I, but I I do in like up to date Tintinales, Rosens, there's several sources that do endorse the use of empiric antibiotics. I've read several cases of people going to the OR like 10 days later after they fail like an antibiotic based therapy you know, for this and they maybe start to get an expanding hematoma or an expanding abscess or something. So they go to the OR Mm -hmm. and, you know, they still grow stuff out from the, from the, um, the abscess. I think you got blood cultures. You are supposed to get blood cultures before you start antibiotics. I, I did get cultures at the very end. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the tricky things here too, is it's, you know, 
these patients will get, they'll recently have like urinary tract infections or skin infections. Like the most common source of this is some sort of like hematogenous spread from, you know, they have endocarditis from their drug use and they seed their spine or they had a UTI, you know, they got bacteremic at some point and seed their spine. So it's, it's tricky. This is a hard one. I didn't know that. I actually had no idea that like that was a common. Yeah, it's not like it's like cellulitis that goes back. It's really, you know, at some point in time, whether the patient even realized it or not, they had mm-hmm. something. I mean, this is this is a really this is I'm not, you know, I'm I did this case cuz I want for more like the real world. I think this is a very difficult diagnosis. I think you need to have this all over your radar and really kind of just think about it. It's hard. It's, this is a really hard one, but you nailed it. So, um, you know, it, we were talking earlier before we started recording about, uh, medical malpractice cases and how I was, I was reading about a bunch of them last night. And actually the only reason why I knew to order the entire spine was because I read a med mal case last night that was back pain, um, with like ridiculous symptoms to the leg and they got a lumbar MRI and it was normal. So they discharged the patient with like pain seeking behavior, but the abscess was located at like T10. And so it was missed. And the teaching point was if you're going to MRI the spine, MRI the whole spine essentially. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I think it's, it's, I I think it, Probably is. Now, I can't say I've always MRI the whole spine because I think if someone's truly complaining of like lumbar spine pain and if you go like a thoracic and lumbar spine MRI, you know, the reason you want to get the whole spine is because it's actually – it's not because like the abscess extends up but it's because there's skip lesions that are also really common. So you'll have a lumbar one and you did a good job and then there will be one somewhere higher up. Because remember, it's hematogenous Mm -hmm. spread, not like direct spread. And so um, that's a big reason for it. I feel like it's reasonable, you know, because like, you can kind of figure out where the nerve root kind of is. I don't know. I, I think that the by-the-book answer is to not just get a lumbar MRI, though. I will say that. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, man, this is, you know, I, I, I approach this topic with such humility as someone who has, like, not made this diagnosis. <laughs> and even looking back, and then you're like, well, I can see maybe how it was possibly there, but I don't even think in retrospect – you know, like, I'm just like, I don't even, I don't think I could have gotten it. It's, it's very tricky. Um, but you, what you don't want to happen is this is the patient's, I suppose, third time or something. And you don't do any documentation of it. Like, if you document, like, the patient's not a diabetic, they're not an alcoholic, no history of IV drug use, no fevers. You know, you've used your history in your exam, no midline pain, normal neuro exam. Okay, you don't have to, like, MRI them just because it's their third time. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think you uh-huh. have to, when they come in with the progressive symptoms, it's really important that you get a pretty good history in there. You get a really good exam and you have a low threshold to at least do some lab work on them to kind of risk stratify them some more if you need to. Um, this is, this is just a tricky one. I, I would just, I would just think about this a lot. I would just think about this a lot. I'm ask your attendings to see what they say. Cause I'm sure they've seen this. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, any back pain that comes in, it probably crosses. Well, it's so hard. It, it presents as a traumatic low back pain, which is something you're not even supposed to get x-rays for, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. and right. you know, with a little bit of sciatic symptoms and it's just, it's so hard. This is a very hard one. Speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do think, yeah. And I, yeah, that, that's what I'll say about that. So anyways, but you, you did great. You nailed it. Um, I was kind of pushing you through on time a little bit. When I used that timer, did you feel how fast it was? Holy crap, man. Yeah, that went by way too quickly. Because I think the first couple cases, like, it's been 15 minutes, so I'll kind of speed you up and end it around 16 or 17. But I think it's important now that you now that we're tied that I'm going to start really holding you to the time a little bit more. Because what I was doing before yeah. is I would just start, like, um, like, a stopwatch, and I'd look at it, and I'd be like, oh, it's been, you know, 15 minutes. Okay, time to wrap up. But if you mm-hmm. really are, like... Because on the on the even boards day, like they stick to a strict schedule. It's like I think like five minutes between cases or something. So there's no really like any running over. Like, you finish like your thought, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you or you can maybe get one more sentence in and you say a bunch of stuff really quick, um, <laughs> which I did. Call these call these ten people. <laughs> They're like, all right, that ain't. I'll be like, wait, 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 wait. You know, <laughs> score as many points as possible. Um, but oh my it. Goodness. 
for me, that was like one of the hardest things of the test was kind of subconsciously gauging that time. It just, it flies. It's just 15 minutes is not long. (laughs) Are you allowed to like bring a watch or a timer into the exam? Do you know? Look it up. Um, I think maybe like an analog watch or something. I don't know. Just look it up. I think so. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure. But you're not even going to be looking yeah. at that anyways. I, 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 well, I know, but that dude that that went by so so quickly. And again, that was 14 minutes because I wanted I didn't want to just like screw you because I knew we're going to be adjusting to really being in a strict 15 minutes. And even when you're doing like residency cases and stuff, or like you know, kind of riffing with friends, like a lot of times they're not holding you to the strict 15 minutes. And I think you really need to have that, that feel that like, Oh man, there's not much pain. So I think it's going to be good. I'm going to have that annoying alarm. Could you hear it? Uh, I actually couldn't. <laughs> I think it went through my, the headphones I'm wearing. So I'll have to figure out. Oh, uh, that's, that's, or maybe I'll get one of those okay. obnoxious, like kitchen timers that are like, you know, like kind of like twist <laughs> set oh, it right I, next to the mic, <laughs> blow up, yeah, the blow up the recording. <laughs> just turns freaking red on migraines. Little, yeah. <laughs> the mic <laughs> blows out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. But I am going to, I am going to start really trying to hold you to that 15 minutes. Cause I think that that's going to be. If you do that, if you really do it that way for several years, I feel like you'll have a good feel of how fast you have to move and you'll start to just naturally speed up your history a little bit, condense your exam down a little bit. Say like, you know, if I check the lungs, abdomen, you know, anything else I'm seeing on exam and really kind of having more like strings of phrases that you use to like make it go faster instead of having to think Mm -hmm. of each individual piece. Like I listen for murmurs. Okay. Is there any like arrhythmia no is there like an s3 like that's too slow of an exam unless you're like yeah. really you know doing like a cardiac thing like i think if in this case if it's a back pain like you need to be like all right i palpate the c the t the l spines is there any midline tenderness that was good um you know i'm doing the lower extremities i'm checking reflexes i'm checking patellar and achilles reflexes are those normal is there but you know just like really having like individual strings of exam kind of rehearsed because people lose time on exam they lose time just kind of talking to the patient um, and you do need to navigate some of the professionalism stuff. So in this case, I feel like this would be a very um, professionally taxing case too. And they'd, so you'd get graded on that kind of stuff, like how you talk to the patient, um, working with a difficult patient, not losing your, you know, <laughs> your, your ish. So dude, this is a hard page. This is a difficult case. You are a very difficult patient. I was, I was like internally losing my shit, but good. I'm glad Tried to keep it cool on the outside. You know, that's my favorite. It was when you say allergies and then they go, what will you give me? (laughs) And you'll be like, and you you know what they're going to do. And so you'd be like, well, what can you tolerate? (laughs) And you'll be like, you know, you'll be like Tylenol and they'll be like, I'm allergic. And you'd be like, you take it every day in your perks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like this like duel. So no, it is very tricky. Um, oh, dude. Um, I, I think you, you over glanced. So the second time I asked if you could take Dilaubid, not Dilaudid, it's D O L O B I D. It's actually a, a N said that sounds like Dilaudid. <laughs> Dilaubid. <but laughs> Dil- yeah. It's, Literally, D O L O B I D. That's funny. Yeah, and it's an it. I will say, as an attending who's now done this for one full year, and I've strong armed patients into not getting the Dilaudid, and I've given Dilaudid as freely as they want, and the whole spectrum in between. There's a little bit of an art to this. I sometimes will actually get them something. Because even, even if they have like chronic pain, sometimes just like addressing it, I feel like is is helpful because it just shows that you care because essentially i've had patients that are like clearly chronic pain and it's one thing if they're like absolutely like abusing the system and it's clear but there are a lot of people that have like true chronic pain syndromes that come in in severe pain and they'll say nothing works but a lot of it or something and i feel like the the how do i say this um if you strongly just say i'm not giving you a lot of it it's against you know national recommendations and stuff, which is in your right to do. You don't have to give something to somebody just because they specifically request it. I think that I've, there's maybe a little bit of a better opportunity to get them set up with pain management and stuff. If they're really not following as closely as they should be by giving them some like a single dose and saying, but I really can't give more than that. And then talking to them about chronic pain and kind of treating them with respect. I Mm -hmm. think you sidestep a lot of this. 
in the other group of chronic yeah. pain people too, to be careful with their sickle cell patients. Cause they actually truly do oh, have like yeah. chronic pain and they get mixed in with these other, with other people who really shouldn't be coming to the emergency department for pain. But sickle cell people do have like acute pain crises because they have like legitimate pathology. And I oh think- yeah. We have a huge sickle cell population uh, in Philly. And so that it's, Pretty rare to go a shift without at least seeing a sickle seller pop up on the board. Yeah, so I mean, they I might would, not be mine, but I would yeah. talk to your attendings about the way to manage that. They're probably, you know, I've never have had that level. I've seen sickle cell patients frequently, obviously, because it's common, but I've never had like a, you know, I see it every shift. Like that's never been my patient population. Um, uh, we actually have a like a sickle cell program, so most of the patients that come to our ED are, are established, and all of them have. Um, pre-ridden, uh, like pain regimen, uh, basically a pain regimen for the ED, specific for the ED. And if they require more than X number of doses, they get admitted to our CDU for pain management. I think that's a reasonable way to approach it. I'll kind of talk to some of these sickle cell pain patients and I'll be like, here's what I do. I'm going to get you two solid doses of pain medicine. I want you to be comfortable. I know you're having some pain. And I give them the benefit of the doubt, but I say up front, you know, if it takes more than that, you're going to have to come into the hospital because I'm, you know, and I'm either missing something or, but that's all I'm kind of can do. So I've had, yeah. I've done that, um, setting kind of defining the expectations yourself. Um, so I, you know, this chronic pain stuff, it's hard. I think that, the pendulum kind of keeps swinging all around. We used to just like hand it out like candy. And now we're like all like, oh, you've had pain before. Like you never get pain medicine again. <laughs> and I, yeah. I think just think if you were the patient, what would you want? Or and it's probably even better than that. Maybe not even if you're the patient, but if the patient was one of your family members, what would you want the doctor to do for your family member? Type of Yeah, thing. exactly. Like you if they're truly in pain. severe pain, well then get them some legitimate pain medicine maybe. Unless it's like, they need to be like, no, some tough love. Like, this is not okay. Like, you need to get help and you need to go to a pain specialist. And we're reinforcing mm-hmm. kind of a bad habit here and helping you. We're delaying you getting better. If it's just keep it patient centered with these chronic pain patients. And then if it's, you know, sometimes it's really obvious the answer is like, hey, like, no, this person has been coming in every single day and, um, you know, getting the lot and going home and they're not following up like they should be and they're not doing that. That's a, like a different patient than someone who's having chronic pain issues and, you know, I, just do what you would want someone to do for your family member, regardless of if they have chronic pain or not, because pain is real. And I think the pendulum sp- spun a little bit too much into like really being like hard nosed with it and super tight. Um, mm-hmm. These patients, assuming that it is like a chronic pain issue and they have some opiate usage issues, like maybe are you technically complicit a little bit if you continue that? just like every other doctor has ever given, like maybe technically, but they already have a problem. It's a lot different, you know, when you're handing out Percocet like candy to someone who's completely not, you know, naive to it for the first time and that kind of thing. I, I, I don't know. Just do the right thing for the patient. Yeah. If it's truly, I, if it's truly I, I, that they need yeah. tough love and they need some like other management other than Dilaudid and they need to be told that, then do that. And if it's, you know, it's reasonable to get them something, I think it's, a good opportunity to make them a little more comfortable, do some education and, you know, don't let yourself get walked over, but help them. It's tricky. Sorry. I'm kind of rambling now. I feel like, (laughs) um, no, but that's good advice. You know, treat them like a family member, you know, exactly. Well, very good. So things are going well though. You haven't been shot anymore. No more shootings at you. Yeah, man. I'm back in the ED. Life is good. I'm off labor and delivery, and um, I am loving life again. I'm in the ED for two months. What are you? What have you been studying, reading? Uh, honestly, so like I said, I've been reading a lot of like med mal cases for emergency medicine. It's not really like true residency studying, but I'm learning like other people's screw ups and how not to make them and how to document better to cover my butt in the real world. Um, I don't think that's studying in the truest sense because it doesn't feel like studying. It's all really interesting stuff. Um, and it's definitely changing the way I document, but 
Uh, Very good. Yeah, we'll we'll exchange links here at the end because there's a couple blogs out there, obviously, that talk about MedMail. I think it's actually a very good thing for a resident to study. I would be, again, like we were talking about a little bit before, I'd be careful with bounce backs as like a first, second year because you get – I felt like bounce backs made me really paranoid. Like I was always just like looking for like real zebras and I just didn't have enough clinical experience to really grasp when you have to go to the next step for something like a mesenteric ischemia. You know, I just, I couldn't quite feel it. Everyone's severe abdominal pain. I just thought that they had this like rare abdominal disease because I I didn't, I wasn't quite good enough yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like med mal cases are really good um, because there's some that are like, again, very recurrent, very common. Um, You know, I feel like every complaint has like the classic miss. Or, like, the classic issue with it, you know. So there's, like, the classic would be, like, chest pain, you know. And you, you're you either going to, like, misinterpret an EKG or you're going to miss a PE. You know, like, there's just classic stuff. Um, there's, with, like, soft tissue injuries, it's, you know, the misformed body with fractures. It's the fracture in the setting of a negative X-ray. Mm-hmm. With headaches, it's the miss, you know, subarachnoid. Yeah. With pediatric, you know, fever, it's the miss you know, serious bacterial infection, meningitis, something like that. So you start to learn kind of how to document your way through that on more classic complaints. Just making sure you do it good. Like abdominal pain, the classic like abdominal pain isn't like the weird mesenteric semen. It's actually missed appendicitis because yeah. you you just want so bad to call it gastroenteritis. Like so bad. Yeah. Like, cause that's what it looks like. Um, and that's what it is 99% of the time. Except for the one percent of the time, it's appendicitis because all appendicitis starts off as gastroenteritis. It's just ugh, tough stuff. So. Uh, on a side note, uh, something I learned on labor and delivery, I actually saw a a like thirty four week pregnant patient with appendicitis. Totally different exam clinically. Her abdominal pain was like almost right upper quadrant because of how far her appendix was pushed up because of her gra- gravid uterus. It was really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. And it's good to feel that too because you won't forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be in like the forefront of your mind until you feel another pregnant person's belly and you're going to feel right in that spot <laughs> just subconsciously. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's like that all the time, but the uh, the OB attending was like, yeah, like appy with pregnant patients, like it's a lot higher than you think. It's not like McBurney's point anymore. Yeah. I think that, um, man, we're, we're really tangenting here. We are. But, um, uh, that's my fault. For me, abdominal pain, as far as misdiagnoses, is very tricky because the what's happened, in my opinion, as someone who does this, is you get so paranoid about missing anything in the abdomen that you just CT scan everybody. Mm-hmm. But you really shouldn't be CT scan, scanning everybody. It still should be like a kind of a clinical impression. You should CT scan somebody with a question in mind, not just like they have bad abdominal pain, unless they're like truly, you know, like a 80 year old diabetic or something where you're like, who knows what we're going to find, but it's not going to be good. Yeah, just <laughs> right? badness um, written all over it. Right. But I feel like we really get a lot of CT scans. And so me, me included. And so I've been reading this book um, by Sir Zachary Cope. So Cope's guide to the diagnosis, early diagnosis of the acute abdomen. And it's all, like, history and exam-based. And so you really get a good idea of, like, just what you're looking for on exam. Like, something I started doing, this is super random, but um, have you ever percussed an abdomen before? I I do when their story is, like, SBO-ish. But that's, like, the only time. I think that – so Sir Zachary Cope – um, great first name. He uses, so he, like, he's a, he, I feel like he's a very respectable, smart surgeon who wrote this book. Like he just constantly is trashing the white count. He's, you know, doesn't do bowel sounds, mm-hmm. right? Like, but this is still like a clinical diagnosis. So he actually talks about percussion as a way to like more reliably test for rebound is essentially the case that he makes. Hmm. And so I've had, I can't even tell you the number of patients that I've had, including patients with like appy negative CTs and stuff that I've admitted to the hospital, percussing over McBurney's and it's positive. It's the weirdest thing. So you kind of feel all over and they kind of hurt and then you start percussing and they don't feel, it's just percussion. Like you're not deeply palpating and then you hit like the spot and they jump. It's the craziest. So I've been doing a lot of percussion on abdomens and I've had like, I've picked up like CT negative stuff and I'll put them in the hospital and they'll take it out and it'll be acute. Um, so I've had good luck crazy. with that. That's like actually really interesting. Um, Cause I, they he says it's like a graded controllable rebound essentially. And, you know, 
again, it's just little percussion. So no, you don't have percussion. Like I can hurt myself if I push on my abdomen and I'm a little, you know, I had too much pizza or something, but it never hurts just to tap with, you know, like you can do it right now. Like it doesn't hurt to percuss your belly yeah. in someone who, I mean, if someone who's starting to develop rebound, um, I think it's, that's kind of what I use to gauge rebound now. Cause everyone else that always like, um, it's so hard to tell. Like they jump no matter what, because you, it's so sudden. Yeah. You're like, what, what hurts more when I push or when I let go? And they're like, both. And they're like everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I feel like percussion has, I've had a lot of luck localizing true like locations of pathology by percussing all over the belly. Cause it'll be like one spot. It's kind of like having them point to the worst spot, only you're actually, like, feeling the yeah, worst spot. Yeah, it's like an objective instead of a subjective worst spot. So, I'm, Anyways, all this to say, I'm trying to get less CT scans on abdominal pain, even including appendicitis being so hard to catch and focusing more on, like, 12-hour follow-up and things like that. Like, hey, I don't think this is anything. Let's avoid, you know, all of the radiation. It's like getting, like, a thousand x-rays. Like, let's just avoid that, but you'll need to come back in 12 hours if this gets worse because this might be appendicitis. And most patients usually like that Yeah, in my experience. Um, anyways, so strong work. We should probably wrap this up. People are like, what? You're all over the place. Yes. It's because I, um, I bought this Starbucks creamer. Have you heard of this? Now we're really all over the place. Brand. But you know how they have like the the like that pumpkin spice latte and all their like chocolate mocha creamers. All their really basic so stuff. They, la- they just launched a line of creamers to match their famous drinks. So I've just been like guzzling coffee oh. like every Jesus, day. Dude. And then yesterday I had this horrible caffeine headache and then I'm just still drinking all because <laughs> it's so good. All right. Uh, Strong work, man. Yeah. Tied up. All right. What is it? 3-3 three, three three, now? 3-3. Three. Sweet. I'll have to make the next one even harder. But it's going to get harder just from doing the timer. So good stuff. Good stuff. Strong work. Um, That wraps it up, everybody. Send us an email. I've been really busy lately, by the way. So I've been getting some emails. I haven't had time to respond to it. It's like baby brain. Like I'm just all over the place. But you can get to me at Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com. And then if you want to email Mike, um, we got him set up. So it's Mike at emclerkship.com now. So much easier to remember. Um, anything else, Mike, you want, you want to throw out there? Uh, I think that's it, man. Thank you for giving me the official email. I'm loving it. Yeah, no, not a problem. You've definitely earned it and it's easier to remember. It's shorter. For sure. So, um, until, until next month, keep working hard, keep studying and be sure to enjoy your shift.